fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. One hundred two point three FM, Los Angeles. One hundred two point three FM, Riverside. And one hundred five zero AM, Palm Springs. Oh, welcome back into the house of mystery. I'm Al Warren, Mr. David North Martino. No, my real name. Yeah. Yes, I am here. Wow. Yeah, I'm using Crazy. the real name. You come back oh. from karate. I've got to be careful. <laughs> yes. Hey, what was that big jump kick there? I saw there. That was pretty amazing. Hey. Yeah, well, that was like 10 years ago. Though. Yeah, I was going to say, because you couldn't could lift it. I, well, I could do it, but landing, you know, I don't want to blow out an ACL. ACL. <laughs> Probably crack the ground. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, <laughs> no, that's true, too. But that was that looked pretty cool. That, oh, well, thank you. Yeah, my yeah. wife took that photo. Yeah. I just saw it, like, today, and I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. You know, you're, you're like that movie star, you know. You just, <laughs> all this moving, and that was crazy. Crazy. I have yeah, to be well, careful I, now. I have to I know, show some yeah. respect. I'm going to get right up here. I don't know. <laughs> karate soup here. Well, that picture helped me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, you had hair. <laughs> I, yeah. What happened to your hair? <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. I I lost most of it in the uh, in, in the you know in the nineties or whatever. And, yeah. yeah, in the war. Yeah, <laughs> the war. I lost it in the war. That was that was like two thousand. I think that was like two thousand eight or something. So yeah, yeah. No more hair back then. Yeah. Oh, I'll say. But it was shaved. But it was good. I mean, you looked good. You should you oh. should use that as all your pictures now. Yeah, that's so, my picture from now on. Don't let them see. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of my thought, you know, after that last doing this picture for that book. Hey, hey I'm know. working on it, okay? Yeah, I, have, I still have some COVID weight. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> That's what, what it is. What was I'm the blaming, I'm blaming the pandemic. But there was huh? weight before COVID. What is it? I well, call it yeah, the that was something else. It's the cheeseburger yeah. weight. It was cheeseburger weight. Cheeseburger yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, that's enough of that. It's meanness, you know. Mean person you are. But, um, <laughs> well, today we are. We've got a, a publisher with us, and they've got all sorts of books out. And uh, we've kind of done different publishers before, so let's find out what's going on in the publishing world. All right. Know? I need to know. I need to get a book out. You know, and see if I can get published <laughs> here. Right. So we've got the uh, owners, runners of uh, Bridget Gate Press, and uh, so that's Stephen and Heather. Ventura. So thank you for being here, guys. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's, well, hopefully you say that at the end of the show. I, so. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. You know, it might, they might be hanging up on us. Listen, so so what makes you get into the publishing world um, in a world like today? Like what, what, what drew you into that um, business? What made us decide to do it when we did, I think, is probably partially insanity. <laughs> but... We both grew up surrounded by books, always reading, um, always at the library, always at the bookstore. And I always wanted to own, and listen, this may be a, a woman's cliche, but I've always wanted to own that 
bookstore with a coffee house that had a cat in it, but also a publishing company. And um, Steve always wanted to run a publishing company and edit. And so we'd been married for a while. All the kids grown up, left, adults, had their own problems. And, you know, we just thought instead of just saying one day, why don't we just do it? And I think this is where the insanity plays in. I don't know if you hit a certain age and you forget that you like sleep or having <laughs> Saturday mornings to yourself. <laughs> um, but, but I, you know, we were just like, Hey, we, we have the time, we have the funds and uh, let's quit talking about it and let's just do it. Yeah. And that's, that's how we kind of came to be is instead of just being like, Hey, one day that'd be a fun dream. We we're like, Hey, nobody's getting younger. And uh, now's the time. Yeah, like Shia LaBeouf says. Well, I don't know. I'm getting younger. You're getting younger. <laughs> you, yeah, I'm getting younger. You found the fountain of youth, or you got a vampire. Friend. No, I just keep putting old pictures up. <laughs> I keep getting younger. <laughs> well, so was this everything you expected it to be? Like Steve, Steve, let's get let's get, let's hear from you. Was this everything you thought it would be? Uh, everything and then some. Um, and I will say, publishing has been a a learning curve and we're still on it. Um, we're, we're learning new things every week and, you know, it's been an adventure and sometimes it does get a little overwhelming, um, you know, with everything that needs to be done, but yeah, it's great. I would say if anybody else is thinking about it, go for it. I mean, it's, we've had a lot of good experiences. We've met a lot of great people, authors and editors, etc. What would you expect from an author with, if, if someone is never been published before? Okay, so not an experienced mm -hmm. person, not a person that's had books out, sure. but someone that's brand new to it, and they think they've got a book. What would you say they should do first before submitting it, or what 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 should they look for in their writing before submitting to publishers? Well, here's here's what I'll say, and I think sometimes we're I don't know if we're all that different from indie publishers, but I think indie publishers are kind of a, a step different from even larger indie presses or traditional publishing, traditional publishers for sure. The first thing you want to make sure of is, is the press you're going to send something to open for submissions. Is right. Check their website, check and see if they have anything about an open submission period or a closed submission period. And some of us don't. Some of us just kind of leave it loose. Here's what I will say. Take your shot. Yeah. Absolutely send the email. Send the email. And I think it is impossible to ask an author to give a one paragraph synopsis of a book they've just written thousands upon thousands of words in. Right. But do your best. Give it your best. Your best. What's the book about? Where does the book take you? I always encourage people to put content warnings if they have a book that has a lot of and here are my big ones. If you've got a lot of on-the-page sexual assault, a lot of on-the-page child death yeah. or suicide, you know, include that include that in your synopsis, either at the beginning or the end. And most publishing companies, I think, want the first couple chapters, if it's a full-size yeah. novel, just do it. Just do it. You know, the worst thing that's going to happen is you're not going to get an answer or somebody's going to say no. But you've got to keep trying because if you've yeah. written it, I firmly believe somebody out there wants to read it. You know, and one thing I would like to say, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of writers talking about, you know, they, they've got to hire an editor and they've got to send it off to a beta reader. And they've got to do this. And all that stuff is great. And I don't want to disparage or take away from that. But I also would like to say, 
It's, it, now, of course, it's different if you're going to self-publish, but if you're sending your work to, an, to a publisher, don't overly stress and kill yourself about that, because here's the thing. We're going to edit your book. Um, we've got editors. We're going to edit it. We're going to proof it. We're going to format it. So, yeah, of course, you should make sure that your your story or your novel is as good as you can get it, you know, do your own self-editing. If you want to have a friend or someone or maybe a beta reader that's willing to work with you, sure, that doesn't hurt. But don't go out there and spend tons and tons and tons of money on hiring editors to to do all that because we're going to do that for you. You know, that that's our job. We're going to... Right. Don't stress... Yeah. Don't stress the M dash and the comma. Just do, right. do your best. Do your, <laughs> do best, your writing, best. Review your work. Edit your own work. Right. It's great to send it around to p- trusted people who you know will give you honest feedback. And and listen, I can fall for a three sentence pitch as fast as anybody else. So try to make your synopsis or your pitch as tight as you can and as meaningful as you can to you. Yeah. Think about what you love the most about your story. And make sure that that comes through because you don't right. have a lot of a lot of space to sell yourself. And I assume with sample chapters, you'd want it to be in uh, standard manuscript format or something of that nature. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Standard man. Standard. Yeah. And please do not do any special formatting. Um, anything. Just straight right. up, like she said. <laughs> you know. Right. Sim- right. Simple tabs. Times New Roman is great. Twelve pitch. Don't really do anything much more than that, because um, because if we do take your book, we're going to have to format it. And the more special formatting you do, that's more of a headache for us, because we've got to reformat it and pull it back out. So just do straight up. Well, it's more you know, of a yeah. You know. <laughs> do you like pictures? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Not those type of pictures. <laughs> yeah, those are those dirty pictures. You know, you got some good 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 authors. I know. I you know. Colin uh, Leonard Colley, I really like that guy. Yeah, yeah, and it's hard to you beat know. his accent, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's an amazing character. I, yeah. I, I, he was one of the most fun to interview because he was he was shy in a way, but yet he was he, there was a lot to get out of him. You know what I mean? Yes, he's uh, he's he's got like a treasure trove of Irish folklore just kind of waiting to be mined. Every time I talk to him, I feel like I learn a little bit more. I, I enjoy all of our authors. We haven't had one yet that I wouldn't resign for another book. Oh, come on. There's got to be one. Not, knock on, listen, <laughs> knock on all the wood. This better not be jinxing me, but knock on all the wood. <laughs> There's got to be a bad one in there somewhere. We want to get some gossip here. <laughs> you won't get it out of me. I love them all. I was just I was just telling a friend of mine the other day, every book we release is my favorite book. And every time I re I redo something or uh, marketing about a book from the backlist, I'm like, oh, this is my favorite book. Oh, this is my favorite color. Oh, <laughs> cover. This is my favorite right. author. Every time she says, every time you call me, you say this is your favorite book, and I'm like, well, they are. And just as a kind of a little tidbit for y'all, uh, I've had to learn since we've begun to kind of keep Heather out of the editing process. Because oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Heather has, Listen, we almost got divorced. Yeah, we almost got divorced and shut down the press yeah. with the first, with our first novella. That was that was rough. That was rough. I cried. Yeah, Heather has a tendency to read the first draft. She falls in love with it. Then it comes to me. So I'm starting to work on the editing process, and she takes a look at my notes and goes, "Why are you want to change that? Why are you doing that? Why do we need to take that out? Why do we?" 
I don't want to change anything. Send, we're going to publish it as is. And I'm like, uh, no, there has to be editing. Yeah. Steve's the editor. <laughs> Steve's, the, Steve's the true content editor. But uh, I do. When I fall, I fall, I fall in love with the manuscript, and I'm like, I don't want to change anything. Steve's like, well, there's ways we can make some of these, some of this stronger, and add this, and take this part out. And I, but we threw down. It was a man in winter by Katie Marie. Oh yeah. And uh, there was I, I forget what section it was, but there was a there were a few paragraphs that Steve wanted to talk to Katie about and completely rework. And I lost my mind. I remember I was standing <laughs> in the hallway crying. And I told him I'd leave him if he made her change it and that she was ruining the book. And so he finally got me settled down and said, why don't I talk to Katie? We'll let Katie sit with it, see what she says. And you can take to the bank. She agreed with him. She read those edits and she's like, I think this is great. Let me work with it. Let me have a, you know, let me have a couple of weeks and I want to rework this section. And then I'm going to rework this section that ties in with this and I'll send you back what I've got. And I was like, okay, they're all going to take your side. Then you do all the content <laughs> editing because I do. I fall, I fall in love with a manuscript and I'm like, it's perfect. Just fix the commas and let's take it to print. But Steve's always looking for, you know, how can you empathize with a character more or what drives a wedge between you and a character more? You know, what can you use for a stronger foreshadowing or what do you want to give away? How can we tighten this dialogue a, up? Yeah. He's a meanie, meanie, meanie. <laughs> but they love him. Brute. Yeah, they love him. You know, the authors that work with them are like, I want Steve to do the next one. And I'm like, whatever. I mean, you... <laughs> That's fine. Take Steve's side. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I send your royalty checks, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, they they might take a long time to get there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you guys are primarily looking, now you're looking for horror, dark fantasy, yeah. poetry, and romance, it said. So yeah. romance fits with horror? <laughs> oh, it does for me. So to me, oh, well, they... <laughs> yeah, this is going to, oh, Steve. this is a dark right. This is a dark road. Get ready. Um, to me, the two genres, they explore, and of course, this depends on your author. It depends on your subgenre. It depends on what you're after. Both horror and romance really dig into emotions. And I think one of the things that draws us to horror is our emotional response to the story, whether it's fear or dread or, um, you know, in some cases you're repulsed. In some cases, you're, I mean, you're just absolutely terrified and you have to sleep with the light on. Thank you, Stephen King. Um, but it's, you know, romance can be the same way, though hopefully it's not all horror and dread, but it digs up feelings. Like sometimes it'll be betrayal or something you didn't expect to happen or joy and happiness. And I, horror does the same thing. They, I consider them both miners of emotion. They're both miners going down in the mine and trying to dig up an emotional response from the reader. And I think if done right, both of them do it really well together. And that's one of the reasons when um, Ray came to us about Lady Manus Press, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a no-brainer. And Steve's more of a business guy, so he's like, hold on, let's run the numbers. Let's talk about a budget. I'm like, let's not. Let's just do it. I, I think erotic horror is exactly what we want to do. So, well, you know, when it comes when it comes to romance, it doesn't necessarily. I mean, that is one branch itself, erotic horror, and we have published. I think Marionette is one 
in that genre as well. But think of um, what makes some of the great romances so powerful, the sense of loss or possible loss or tragedy. Um, And I'll bring up Wuthering Heights, um, which a lot of people look at and think of that as, you know, you know, gothic, of course. We're talking about horrible characters. But also horror. I mean, because there's, and there's, and there's such a strong emotional feel to that. Heathcliff and Kathy are so awful to each other. And that's one of my top five favorite books. And I reread it almost every year. And every year I reread it and I get older and I'm like, these are horrible people. <laughs> They're horrible. The things they do and say to each other are absolutely horrifying. And so it's the same kind of that I grew up reading. Well, my mom also read to us every night uh, fairy tales, but also I got very, I, I fell in love with Gothic um novels and uh, anything gothic romance dark gothic horror i love that kind of feeling of dread where the atmosphere and the scenery is like its own character in the book and so um i kind of feel like that i feel like emotions sometimes are like the third character in a scene with your two main characters to me they're very interconnected and i'm always so surprised when people from each genre are like, oh, gosh, no, I'd never read romance or, oh, gosh, I'd never read horror. And I just think, man, if you've read any of the top 10 best-selling romance novels, you have read a horror novel, whether you know it or not. Um, You know, any character that has their heart torn out. And that's one of the things. A lot of people think think horror and they're thinking Halloween or Friday the 13th or, you know, any of other Mm-hmm. Clones, you know, slasher, slasher babies and all that. Or just, and Steve, that's, or just Stephen King. Right. That is just yeah, one small, so much more. that's just one small part of the genre. There's so much out there. And, and that's why I think some of those great tragic romances, I mean, there, there are elements in there. The, the pain, the loss, the idea, you know, things that have gone wrong. Those are all strong elements of horror. Yeah. The fear, the fear. I mean, is there anything more horrifying than losing somebody you love as much as you love yourself? No, I mean, yeah. hold on here. Stephen King, let me write that down. Uh, is he an author? <laughs> you may have heard of him now or then. I have. Who? Oh, yeah, yeah. I have a. Re- he de- Stephen King doesn't know it, but he and I have a relationship that spawns back to maybe 10. Right. And, and we broke up. We broke up in middle school because it scared me so much that I actually, <laughs> in the middle of the night, much to my mother's own personal horror, took my bed off my frame. I also covered all the mirrors in my room and I took all the curtains down off my windows so I could see out the window. And I turned all the lights in the whole house on, including the basement and her bedroom while she was sleeping. And I was like, listen, we can never turn the lights off again. And to this day, I have never finished it. It is the only Stephen King book what? I have read that I have not been able to I thought you were going to say to this day, you still got the lights on. Uh, right. <laughs> listen, listen, Steve knows when we read, because we co-read books together um, sometimes, and if we read a scary one, Steve knows it, we've either got to stop long before sundown or he's going to sleep with the light on. Like, that's that's a real thing in our house. I'm not afraid to admit it. <laughs> no, well, there you go. You know, you, I... I never did that as a kid. I remember trying to peanut butter our kitchen table. Like a cake. And I don't think uh, they like that too much. No, that's I got horrible. Much, All the oil I got and peanut butter? Done. Oh. Yeah, it was great. Oh, my gosh. Wonderful. I would have thrown oh. the table away. Steve would have come well, home from work and found it in the front yard. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> with the peanut butter still That's on right, it. Right, with the peanut butter still on it. I would have taken one look at that yeah. and been like, nope, <laughs> we're eating on the floor picnic style for a while. Yeah, yeah, I should say, I wonder what she had to, my mother had to go through to clean that. Oh, that would have been horrible. Not fun. Horrible. Yeah. yeah. I know, what a terrible kid. Here, look at, oh, wow. this is like the beginning of a horror story. Yeah. <laughs> I peanut buttered the half of the kitchen table. <laughs> well, I would have done more, but I ran out of peanut butter. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you ruined lunch. I was thinking like a cake. It wasn't an evil thing. I mean, my evil started. Maybe yeah. a year or two later. Right, after it was but, inspired uh, by the peanut butter incident. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> terrible. Then I throw the cat on the table. Oh, oh, oh no. Oh, no. This oh, is my horrible. God. They didn't lock me up. I know. <laughs> so, listen, you guys like Halloween, I guess. Is we Halloween do. a big deal because you're into horror and dark fantasy and all this? We love so, what do you, do you guys? Are you dressed up for Halloween? Where do you go and ask? Um, you know what? We haven't dressed up for Halloween in seven and a half years because we lived out on a ranch, uh, at, and nobody trick or treats, um, unless we were going to a party. But I don't know. This year we may dress up because we're back in town and we're going to, I mean, my, my neighborhood's got a trick or treat event like every day starting Saturday until Halloween. And I am in it. I decorated for Halloween on July 1st. I am ready. Wow. Yeah. It is real. It's a whole, Halloween just isn't a day here. It's a whole quarter. It's a whole season. So what do you think it is about Halloween? Like, what is Halloween? Um, and why, why do you think so many people get into it? What, what is it about that, um, that, that day in particular, you think? Well, I mean, listen, I have a lot of personal opinions about this because, and I think part of this is because I've got Irish ancestry, but if you had that, that great, great Irish grandmother who still carved turnips even now in her new home, there's kind of a certain element of the Day of the Dead spookiness, um, especially if they were Irish Catholic with All Saints Day and All Souls Day. And so I can't really speak for anybody else, but Halloween was always a really big deal in our house. Um, growing up, my mom made all of our costumes. We would tell spooky stories. And my grandmother, my father's mother, I grew up hearing ghost stories from her every time I spent the night out there. She'd have a new ghost story. And so um, I loved it. And like Halloween was just like starting October 1st, it seemed like at school. Tell me if you guys are old enough to remember this, because I was talking to a younger cousin of mine who swears they never did this at her school. But did you remember how you had music class, art class, but like starting in late September, October in music class in elementary school, did you learn spooky songs like no, the ghost of John? I, did, I didn't remember. Like the ghost no. of John. Yes, you did. <laughs> did you go to school? <laughs> I, my husband and I went to different school districts. I was appalled. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I didn't go to the church of Satan school. <laughs> 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 I got to know him afterwards. Or afterwards okay. as but, an adult. Yeah. We learned spooky songs and we, like, we listened to Night on Bald Mountain and uh, learned how to sing. What's that song? The Ghost of John. And, um, oh, there's a whole bunch of, like, kids' spooky Halloween songs from the 70s. And, um. The Monster Mash? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we danced to Monster Mash in music class. And, um, in art class, we were drawing, like, we would turn on Night of Bald Mountain and draw pictures inspired by the music and like maybe it was just the school I went to but we went all out we had Halloween costume parades we trick-or-treated older classrooms 
And wow. I mean, our school, it was a big deal. I, maybe yeah. I did go to the school of Satan. I don't know. Did you drink a lot? Were they doing <laughs> drugs in school? Like what? what? <laughs> I mean, I was seven, you know, eight. I don't recall, but, but it was just, I don't know. <laughs> Halloween was a big deal. It was almost a bigger deal than, you know, uh, winter holidays because I think because you're in school during Halloween. You know, you don't get the day right. off, which was I was always horrified by. But I don't know. <laughs> Halloween was always just a big deal. And Steve grew up in New Orleans, where I swear it's always Halloween. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> There's scary stories all the time, I should say that. Yeah, scary stories all the time. And the cemeteries. Yeah. Are all above ground. Yeah, there's, a, there's, there's a lot. There's an enhancement of death right. in New Orleans. Yes. Right? I mean, it's very. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's that's how I see it. I mean, it seems very dark. Mm-hmm. Um, One of our big things growing up was, um, if you, I'm sure you've seen pictures at least, if you haven't been there, of the cemeteries in New Orleans, all the above ground crypts and everything, crypts, and statues. Yeah. yeah, that was a big thing. I grew up in New Orleans, and that was a big thing then. Was um, daring each other late at night to run, to hop the fence on one side and run through the cemetery to the other side. Some kids would do it. Most of us were like, nope, nope, not doing that. Oh, yeah, they got a whole... Did they have to be naked? <laughs> Too sure that something's going to come out of one of those crypts and grab me. It's like, nope, nope. <laughs> well, and it doesn't help... Was it not as dangerous at that time? <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't help that there are all these stories. Every graveyard's got a story of... You know, we believe this crypt's really empty. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and Steve's got that in his own family. We went to go do. We were there doing some family genealogy, and I we stopped at the crypt, and there are like three extra people listed on the crypt that I didn't have in our family genealogy notes. And then we went and talked to the cemetery office, and she goes, "Well, his name's on the crypt, but he's not here." And I go, what do you mean he's not here? And he's like, well, it says in the notes that he was scheduled to be dropped off on this date, but he never showed up. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. This is where horror stories start. <laughs> I just looked at, I looked at Steve and I was like, we got to go. Like, it's getting dark outside. I got to get back to the hotel room and turn all the lights on. We're missing a body from your family that only goes, like, two generations back. And I'm like, this is how zombie stories start. Every single one yeah. of them starts with a body's missing. <laughs> He's in the back making coffee. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So you know, in well, in these stories, then what what is the most important thing that you look for in a story? I I would imagine it's character. Uh, I'll tell you. I think it depends on the writer. Sometimes it's character. Sometimes it's atmosphere. Sometimes is it a slow burn and you made me wait for it, or is it a fast page turner? I love them all. But I'll tell you, for me. My mother, and I mentioned this earlier, but my mother read to us every night, no matter how late she got home from work, no matter who was sick. It was like we read at night if we were on vacation, if we were away from each other, she would call us and read to us at night. It was the thing that we did not skip. Because of that, when I read books now, I often I often start hearing my mother read the story in my own head. So for me, what I'm really looking for in a book, and this seems very elusive, but do it, does my mother start reading the story? In every book we have published, I have heard my mother's voice at one point in the story, reading it out loud to me. And I think if I were to try to put on paper what that is, I think what that is is the point in a story where I realize the atmosphere is big, the characters are big, and 
something very spooky is going to happen, whether it's like a spook scare going to happen or like a slow burn dread, something, something very emotional will happen in this story. So, yeah, I agree with everything Heather's saying. And I would, but I would also add, and I would tell writers this too, anybody listening, characters and how believable they are and how they resonate with us emotionally. I think that's the most important, in my opinion, element of a story. Cause I mean, you could have the world's greatest plot. You could have, you know, great ideas. You, you've done all your research, so everything is, is realistic. But if the characters feel wooden or they're doing things that nobody would really do or they just don't resonate with you, they're flat, you're not going to enjoy the story as much. It's the characters that really, I think, really, really drive it. But, you know, but here's the thing, and Steve and I talk about this all the time. No, I'm interrupting. Yeah, is, yeah, you um, are. <laughs> yeah. No, don't, don't get frightened. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's so, subje- it's, it's, it's so subjective, though. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, what I find to be a deliciously dreadful atmosphere, someone else may find, you know, gross and boring. And characters can be the same way. Like, Steve's always, like, I... I'm having a hard time believing this character would act this way. And I'll fall for it every time. I'm one of those people where you can suspend my disbelief usually two minutes in and keep it no matter how outrageous it gets. Steve, he's got a saying where it's like, if Heather has been pulled out of the movie, something has gone awry. Because I do. I drink I drink it like elixir. But it can be subjective. Like, a character that I find believable, Steve may not. So when people are like, what's your real tug? All I can tell you is it's a feeling I have. And I know authors want the magic formula. And I think the magic formula is this. If you believe in your story and you have written this character in a way where you are gutted when something bad happens to this character, or you are gutted when something outrageous happens and the character has to regroup, then probably you will find a publisher who will feel the same way. And you will find readers who feel the same way. But, you know, people are so different. Even, I mean, my sister and I are so different. And we grew up in the same household with the same people. You know, we're all so different in what intrigues us and what we live for and what's important to us. And I just got to tell you, if you pour your heart into it, it shows. Yeah. It does to me. You know, and I feel like, you know, even if we can't publish you, even if, even if you've gotten 100 rejections, somebody will or self-publish. And I hate to say this because I'm a publisher, but I got to tell you what, if you can figure out the magic for self-publishing, leave us all behind and do it. Because if you want to eventually quit your day job, that's where the money is. Steve hates it when I tell this, but I tell this to all our authors. Right, I'm like, right. listen, when you're ready to go out on your own, I'll teach you everything I know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, quit giving me half your money. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Just sleep with people and make money. That's what I do. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't. It doesn't matter. You know, I leave, I leave my books in the bathrooms in all the malls and sell a lot that way. <laughs> well, no, I just, I, I, I think characters are really important because, um, in the sense that that's what you, people remember. Right. Right. You know, the story is, of course, but um, I think it's right. I think, I mean, people like Sherlock Holmes, like that. Right. That type of a. a of a character stays with generation after generation. Like if you could get the right character 
Yeah. And uh, it, it, it's magic oh, yeah. um, because it can go on forever. It is because, I mean, like Steve's rereading Lord of the Rings now, you know, because of the magic of the characters. I Steve rereads the whole series. Every couple of years. Yeah. And and it's the characters. He loves the story, you know, um, but it's the characters. And it's you've got to have even if they're morally gray, you can still empathize with the character. Right. Nobody is a saint all the time. Yeah, that's what I keep telling people. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I can't convince them. I don't know what it is. I have a friend who says, that's what I keep telling my probation officer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody's good all Every the time, time I get a new one, they yeah. go missing. You know? Yeah, and I would say, you know, a, a great, in a great story, um, you could have a perfectly evil and loathsome character that um, the readers or the viewers just love. I mean, and this is not books, but I'll give an example, the, sh- the series Breaking Bad. The main character of that show oh, was yeah. really, if you really look at it, was a horrible person, just an awful yeah, person. Yeah. But yeah. you love, people love the show and they can't wait for the next episode. It's like, got to see what Walt's up to now. And it's like, <laughs> but that's, it's true. But okay. that's what having a, a really great, powerful character will do. Right. Yeah. Oh, I mean, even out of that, like, you know, the Better Call Saul, right. you know, that, oh, yeah. that lawyer was, was a, a classic. That character really grabbed people and they made a whole series out yeah, of that. The so whole you, you can do it if, if it, if you connect, right. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you guys are avoiding, cause you're avoiding, you're not really doing splatter. Like you're not having all this, or are you? I'm, I'm throwing that out cause I'm not sure. Well, we're not opposed to it, but. We haven't generally we um we haven't done what they call extreme horror or um you know a really hardcore horror. We're not opposed to it, but we like that's generally not our cup of tea. Um but that doesn't mean we won't. We gentled into it with the anthology um Blood in the Soil, Terror on the Wind, which is a Western Right. And it it, it definitely has splatter elements. It's certainly not as splatter or as extreme as I have read. Right. But it's you uh, save that behavior for home. Right, right. We save that for behind closed doors. Um, that's not public yeah. behavior. Right. And so, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I'm opposed to it, but I would say that it's not something I pick up off a shelf when I see it in a bookstore. When we were getting ready to start that anthology, I did read two that are definitely classed as splatter. Um, because I didn't want to be shocked when I read some of those short stories about how extreme they might get. And it's not my favorite genre, but I will tell you, it's a very cathartic genre. Do we do events? Well, we did just do two book signings for one of the books, at, but we haven't tabled any of the conventions yet. When we went to Stoker's, we just went as guests. Um, didn't we, Steve? We didn't table at Stoker's. Yeah, and we just went to the StokerCon one time. So yeah. Far, so. So, but yeah. uh, we I hope, mean, well, it's, it's yeah. We it hope to. Time. You have to get. That's it. We yeah. hope to. We we listen. We kind of jumped off the deep end and decided to publish two books a month this year, which doesn't leave a lot of time for eating or sleeping or going to the grocery store, let alone <laughs> doing book events. Right. But when we settle when we settle down, we're hoping to go do more cons for sure because they always look like so yeah. much fun, and we had a blast when we were at Stoker when it was in Denver. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, it is a great way to network and meet people. Yes. Oh, absolutely. More than anything else. I think it's the best thing. I haven't been to StokerCon either. I was thinking next year, but I've been to StrokerCon. 
That's bad. That's different. That's different. And World Fan- World Fantasy Convention is in Kansas City right now. <clears throat> this week and this weekend. And and we would love to go, but we just between our day jobs and other things going and on, we, just, Gate, yeah. we can't do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so it's it a lot of work. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of work, but it is. It is one of the best times to meet people face to face. When we were at Stoker, that's when we met Zach face to face, wasn't it, Steve? Was it Stoker? And Zachary Stoker? Rosenberg. Yeah, yeah, Rosenberg, and yeah. Um, several authors actually that we met face to face. And and what we learned was when we go and I meet somebody that I've read for a while and love, I will squeal like a fangirl instead of introduce myself. Oh. Yeah. So, and that's only mildly embarrassing the first time it happens. And then I just rolled with it. But yeah, I, uh, I literally squealed like an eight year old girl when I met uh, Linda Addison in, in a hallway. It's Stoker Fawn. So she's very nice. Yeah. She was, she was very kind when I couldn't make words happen. And I did yeah. the same thing. I, I recently met, um, Walter Williams in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And the only thing I could say to him was, please stand right here. I have to find my husband. And like, that's it. Not hello. My name is Heather. <laughs> I've loved your work or anything like that. I was like, please just stand right here. I have to find my husband. I'll be right back. And I was like, that's cool. That's cool, Heather. Well done. Well, good adulting. Good adulting. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, I always scream like an eight-year-old girl myself. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, we also met Pitch you know. Francesca face-to-face at StokerCon, didn't we, Steve? Yeah, it is a great place to network, and it's a great place to yeah. hang out with not only writers but editors and people who format and people who market and people who love horror and read horror or fantasy or romance or whatever the convention is. Like, I can't. If you had the chance to go, no matter how small the convention in your local town is or the town next door, I think they're always worth going to because you meet so many people. And we meet so many great publishers who have really helped us along the way when we've had questions. So what's Terrify Your Tablet about? Let's talk about that. Yes. Okay. So Lindsay at Horrorsmith has organized Terrify Your Tablet, and you can learn more details at terrifyyourtablet.com. And what's going to happen is on October 31st, um, over 200 authors, and it's thriller, horror, I think there may even be some mystery, and all the subgenres within are offering up their ebooks for free. And the platform may change. Some of them will be on Amazon. Some might be on Apple um, or Nook. So it just depends on the author and where they have their ebook listed. But Horsemith uh, at the Terrify Your Tablet um, website on um, about two days beforehand is going to upload a searchable list where you can search by author name or title or subgenre to find uh, new books, new authors to you, and then you can go and download the book for free on the 31st. You do not have to have a paid subscription like to Kindle Unlimited. They'll be listed free outside of Kindle Unlimited if you're an right. Amazon user. Right. Um, but it's Nook's doing, if the if the author has listed them with Barnes & Noble's Nook. There's Apple, there's Kobo, there's Barnes & Noble Nook, and then Kindle. Yeah. So whatever platform the author has the ebook listed on, I've heard book funnels, some of the authors are using book funnel to do it. 
So there'll be a link you can click on from the website that'll take you to that book, to the platform you're interested in downloading it in. And it's a great way um, to find new authors that you had never heard of or a story you're not sure about. Like you, the description looks interesting, but you normally wouldn't spend, you know, money to get the book. It's a great way to find a new author or a new subgenre that you really, really love. And as a reader, I love these events and different genres throw different events throughout the year. But I have found so many authors that I will now buy the hardback the day it is released because I love them so much that I will give them precious bookshelf space in the house. But I have found them through a lot of these, hey, we're doing a free Stuff Your Kindle Day or a free Terrify Your Tablet Day or free Cozy Mystery Day. And they're fantastic events, and they're lots of fun. And I'll tell you, if you're on TikTok and you start following the hashtags, it's almost like being in a book club or at a book event, like an author signing, because the TikTok booker, TikTokers, TikTok bookers, book, I don't know what book the right talk. word is. Book talk. But, <laughs> book talk. Yes, book talk. They get so excited about books that they've combed through the list and they're going to get and they'll share their list. And then, you know, six, six weeks later, they'll share their update about what they read and what they loved and who's going on the new favorite author list. And it's just, it's a really exciting event, not only the day of, but it's also a really exciting event weeks afterwards when you see people start reading books and sharing their reviews of books and what they loved and what they didn't love and why they loved it or why they didn't love it, what made them cry, what made them sleep with the lights on. Like, it's just a fun, I mean, listen, I'm a book lover. So if you've got a book kind of thing, I'm down for it. I, I'm a, I'm a reader first, I think, and a publisher second. And much to Steve's horror, but, but yeah, but I do. I mean, I can't wait for his book. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's going to be titled be surviving Heather. Yeah. (laughs) It'll be his memoir, but, uh, but yeah, I do. I love stuff like this. And Lindsay has done an amazing job of organizing this event and it got a lot bigger than I thought she, I think that she thought it would. And she's really just taken it in stride. I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see it happen. And I think it'll be a good time and it'll be all day. So, you know, you wake up in the morning on Halloween, you know, take your first hour. This is horrible. I don't know if I should admit this out loud, especially with Steve on the call. But sometimes on these events, I will set my alarm to go off at one o'clock in the morning and sneak out of the bedroom and go download a bunch of books for like an hour and a half. Like I'll make a cup of coffee and spend an hour and a half doing this and then go back to bed for a couple hours. And here's the best part. My mom is the same way. We were literally just doing this with Cozy Mystery. And, uh, I mean, like, we will send each other links to books we think the other one li- would like. And it's it's just so much fun. And the more friends that you can get involved in it, it's just a good time. It's just a good time. So, so listen, um, Heather, do you have issues trying to separate the voices in your head and the voices? <laughs> no. Um, and, here's, and here's why. They're all real voices. Don't tell the voices in my head they're not real. So that's the quickest way to start a fight. There's yeah. no problem at all. They're all real voices. We respect all the voices in my head and outside. Well, yeah, respect is a good thing. That's but right. I just, just, just <laughs> wanted to know if there was some, you know, meditations yeah. for this. Hey, listen. Stuff. You know, listen. 
people think all the time that I'm kind of the fun-loving girl. Steve could tell you a much different story. But, oh yeah, yeah. No. yeah. We can we can tell. You can you can, you can see. You can, tell. You can read between <laughs> you're, you're, the lines. Like, you're like my mother running around psycho screaming, and then the phone rings and yes. picks up the phone. Hello. Oh boy, my kid. The kid could tell you stories. Yeah, but oh, uh, I, yeah. I yeah. But listen, this I, is what I, happens I, when you put peanut butter on the dining room table. People have to eat at three hours yes. later. You know, I mean, you know. Yeah, and then you throw the cat on. Right. It's not a. It's not unfounded. <laughs> and the cat screams and runs all over and spreads the peanut butter all over the house. Everywhere. I'm just. I'm telling you. Every voice in my head has been hard earned. Hard yeah, earned. I'm a good kid. Well, listen. So, how, where do where do people find you besides you know these dark alleys and stuff? Like where you guys have social? Media, yeah. Have so we're on. Yeah. That. So we've got a website. It's um. Uh, bridgetsgatepress.com and we're also on uh, Twitter's now called X but we're on we're we're on X Facebook Instagram Threads Blue Sky and TikTok I mean I'm just going to tell you I feel like that the two hours of my day every day is the social media stuff but yeah you can find us every on all those places yeah me too I'm in all of them I'll look for you on TikTok yeah I, yeah I always I dance on there <laughs> <laughs> Now, does Dave do karate on TikTok? That's the big question I, do, I actually. have. actually. But, but the family they keep taking him down. <laughs> yeah. Down. He's, he, they, they think he's too, uh, he goes against community stand guidelines. Yeah, that, that's, that has happened to me. Violating yeah. community guidelines. <laughs> Violating community standards. I'm too violent. You can, you can, post, you can post guns and threaten lives and put, right. put you know. Naked bodies, but Dave doing karate. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. I'm no. taking that down. <laughs> this is a right. step too far. A step too far. Yeah, you're just, you're just going one step too far, bud. Mm -hmm. I've danced on TikTok too. Yeah. <laughs> then they threw me out. Yeah, I I, I can yeah. see why. I would well, I'm gonna have to up my TikTok game. I didn't know. I yeah. Should, yeah. We could do book dances. Yeah, you're going to get on there. Yeah, book yeah, dances. Yeah, it, it makes all the difference. You know? uh -huh. i got all sorts of nuts. i got lots of nuts following me on TikTok. So TikTok users, please unfollow me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Heather, maybe you can make a um, happy acceptance dance for uh, for books. Oh, yeah, acceptance day dance. Acceptance day dance. That would be fun. Well, there you go. Yeah, uh -huh. you know, get your dog on there, start walking and riding. Uh -huh. yeah. Well, we're going to put all of your um, links up there so people can find it real easy, and we appreciate you being on the show. And, and check out their website. There's some great books. We've had some great interviews from some of your authors, and that's uh, yeah. fantastic. So we've got um, Heather and Stephen Ventura, and it's Bridget Gates Press. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much Thanks for, for having, having us. us. We had a good time. I'm I'm glad you guys all got a little bit of time to talk while I was here. <laughs> I didn't even know you were here. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Something with media. I'll be back.